Welcome in to the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP, Mike Keith and Amy Wells. Hello, Mike. Welcome back. We're here. It's the Mac and 3 edition of the OTP for the first full week in May. Dave McGinnis, Titans Radio, right here. He is the Mac. I he is the Mac. The Mac. But you I lo- are I love, the Mac. I love the three. Return and, of the Mac. Yeah, I love and the three. Jim Wyatt from TitansOnline.com, better known on this program as the great Jim Wyatt. Welcome back. He's Glad third. Be here. One of the three. He's third. He's third. <laughs> All right, so here's the question. The draft is over, so what's going on right now? Somebody asked me that this morning. I'm sleeping a lot more. What are you people doing? What is going on with the Titans right now? Let's bring people up to up to date. What's happening? Titans Caravan. All right, so I got a question about Titans Caravan. Okay. Rashawn Evans, first-round pick. Yes. Is it true that he's trying to go on every caravan date? Let me tell you, my man Rashawn Evans okay. loves him some caravan. Okay. I've never seen anything like it. He is. Oh, trust me, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. We used to have to beg guys to get off the bus. No, he really is. He's loving, like truly, genuinely loving sitting and talking to people, getting to know them, having conversations with them. So yes, it's true. He's going on all of the so caravan. So he's been stuff. on every day he's so far. He's been on every day so far, and he plans to continue going until someone physically restrains him and will not let him on the bus, I think that he's going to continue to go. I mean, I know for a fact this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. Well, he says he gets free food. He was, brought, he was talking about that last night at uh, at the Dixon stop. Uh, he said he hadn't had to pay for a meal the last couple of weeks because, he, I guess, he eats uh, here at the facility and then gets to eat lunch and gets to eat dinner on the caravan. And uh, again, as Amy said, he loves hanging with the people. So uh, he is uh, very unique in that regard, and he says, hey, I've got nothing else to do. He said a lot of guys would love to go. They've got families. They've got wives. They've got other commitments they have to take care of. I'm just looking to go in the caravan. And, and Sharif Finch deserves some credit, too. Sharif has kind of hopped on board and is along for the ride as well. But he wasn't a first-round pick. Yeah. I can understand why he'd want the the free food. And the <laughs> right. But, I mean, Rashawn's a single dude. He's just living in Nashville and working out, so he figures this is a fun way to All spend right. my afternoons. Okay, so Coach Mac, OTAs are going on right now. It's phase two. Yeah, it's the second week of phase two. They're, All right, so give us the quick explanation of what phase two is. They can be on the field for an hour and a half. They can still be in the facility for four hours a day. An hour and a half they can be on the field, but they have to be on the field separate. In other words, offensively and defensively, they cannot come together and run any type of team drills, no type of one-on-ones. They can't have any of that. The offense and the defense are separate. They have a, a, a segment where they work on special teams where those types of players can come together. But there, there's not anything that they can do that involves competition between the offense and the defense for phase two. But it is 90 uh, minutes that they can be on the field, which as a coach, I used to love phase phase two because you would had just about enough of phase one in that uh, – 
in the, in that meeting room. I mean, you know, we want to being a coach, you want to be on the grass with your players. Sure. And this is this is a good thing. So the players are basically done twelve thirty ish each day. It's somewhere around there, but it's it's four hours total that they can you know that they can they can be in the building. Okay. And that's why I mean I can understand him wanting to go on on the on the caravan. So, he, so he's done at twelve thirty, and the caravan leaves at what time? Somewhere between one o'clock and two o'clock. So. so he comes in, eats lunch, takes a shower. Hops on the bus. And hops on the bus to go out. And the caravan is not like what it used to be back in the <laughs> olden days. Right. And that all changed when when we started the caravan. We would go out for like a week at a time, and we would stay on the road, and we would shuffle players. We literally would bring players back and forth. You know, somebody would come out, and somebody would go home, and people would spend the night. They really can't do that anymore because in that time when Jeff Fisher was the head coach, we were under the previous CBA, the previous collective bargaining agreement. That is correct. The off-season program was 16 weeks. That's correct. So Jeff would excuse guys from a day of work. He would actually credit them a day of work in workouts to be on the caravan. Well, now that under this CBA, which is not the new CBA anymore, it's eight years old, but it's only nine weeks of off-season program. So guys really can't be away. It's not good to be away for a full day during this. So you only, you leave it to, you're back at nine. But Rashawn Evans is still doing this every day. Absolutely. So this is his evening entertainment. Titans fans are his new best friends. <laughs> and so that's but who he's hanging you, out with. But you say, and, and Jim, you've seen this too, he really talks to everybody. He does and and is great uh, about, you know, he got in, uh, I think it was the, uh, I'm trying to, I'm losing track of my stops here, but there was a stop last week where uh, there was a Titans fan that had a car that was decked out. Uh, I think it was Mr. Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Titan. And I think that was Clarksful. And uh, Rashawn Evans went out in the parking lot, got in his car, and uh, you know took pictures with him next to his car. He's been, uh, you know, he's been spending extra time with fans, getting to know them. I don't care if they've got an Auburn shirt on, which uh, you know him being an Alabama guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is from Auburn, so he's seen plenty of those. Uh, Auburn fan, Alabama fan. He's been up in Kentucky. He's been down in Alabama. He's been throughout the state of Tennessee. So he's looking to buy a house. So he's exceeding parts of the state that he otherwise wouldn't have seen. I don't think he's on the verge of moving to Dixon, Tennessee. Good. Uh, but <laughs> at least he's seen the uh, area. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think I think it's great, though, because, look, first of all, let's go back to, to Rashawn. Rashawn missed a whole lot of his rookie season because he was hurt. And, and I think we all knew coming into that draft last year that Rashawn Evans was a special type of player. Oh, yeah. You know, I've – got my notebook right in here i mean i've graded a few players in my time and watching him play you knew that this guy behind the ball and on the line of scrimmage was a special type of player we really didn't get to see any of that you know and i and i think i think when that happens sometimes especially to a high draft pick a number one draft pick the fans sometimes don't even don't get to know the player as a player and they really don't get to know the player as a person Okay, I think this is great what he's doing, and it's genuine. Do you? I mean, okay, thirty plus years in the NFL. Can have you known many players who would do this? Let me tell you, when I first got, let me tell you who would do that type of stuff. Sure, Walter Payton. Seriously? Yes. Hmm. 
Walter would come into the facility uh, sometime. He would just pop in the facility, take the take the headset away from the receptionist, and sit on the reception desk for two hours, and answer calls and talk to fans. That's Walter pretty Payton? cool. Walter Payton. Can you imagine just trying to call and like fix your tickets? And you end up having a 10-minute conversation with Walter Payton. No, no. he say, say, say Chicago Bears, may I help you? And they said so-and-so and so-and-so. And he said, okay, uh, just tell them Walter connected you. And then they'd start talking. I, I, I'm serious. That's so cool. That's crazy. Noah's is outstanding. Well, I, I mean... In the early days of the Caribbean, <laughs> well, now Mike, look. I mean, it was it was a little it was a little different based on the fact that you had to convince guys to go spend the night somewhere. You know that th- that they would have to be out for a full day, or in some cases, almost two full days. And it wasn't a bus; it was an RV, and the <laughs> RV was not as comfortable as the buses. When we switched to the bus, that was a big moment in the caravan. And we had to do that for insurance reasons, which was a great thing. <laughs> because the first thing y'all went in looked like it was at Woodstock. Yes, <laughs> it did. And, and it was nice for, I mean, I'm, I'm not demeaning the, the RV because the RV was very nice, but it wasn't nearly as comfortable as the bus. And, there, and the, the overnight stories, too, were utterly fantastic unless you were involved (laughs) absolutely they're they're fantastic now i I mean i guess my favorite bob hyde's favorite too was jesse mahalona the late jesse mahalona yes god uh, rest rest his his soul soul. he was a good guy and so we took him to knoxville and guys were known to hit the road when we went i mean we couldn't tell them i mean they're grown men so some of them would hit town wherever they would be, and they would be gone all night. And we would not know, you know, the next morning if they would be in the hotel room. So we were calling Jesse Mahalona to get him up, <laughs> and he won't answer the phone. Oh, no. And he won't answer his cell phone, and he won't answer the room phone. And so we're terrified about what's going on with him. We're in Knoxville, so we're thinking, well, what are we going to do? It's time to go. We've got to make the stop. So we get somebody from the security office and the maintenance office at the hotel, and we literally have to take his door at the hotel off the hinges to go in and get him because we won't answer. And Bob at that point is terrified because, I mean, you just don't know What's on the other side What's of that door? What's on the door? other side? Well, the other thing, Jesse Mahalona, for those who don't remember, was a 330-pound defensive lineman. No, he was a big boy. He was a big guy. And so, you know, are you going to get in a fight with him when he's on the other side? Well, turns out he has serious sleep apnea, and he's snoring so loudly that he can't hear his alarm, he can't hear the phones, he can't hear everything. <laughs> So they had to gently wake him up. But, I mean, we had more things go on like that. How yeah, the hotel like that door being taken off the hinges? They, they pretty proud of that? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see that part. I was down on the bus or the... Praying. Whatever. Praying. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, exactly. was, I mean, I was always the guy who was, you know... Dear Lord, if you'll just let us go on, I promise I I'll never remember. go on another caravan what, what as long do, as I... What we would do as coaches is Jeff Fisher would give us a list of our guys, the <laughs> dates they would be gone, and the dates they would be the dates they would be gone overnight. 
when Tully was here, I think Tully had a few overnight stays that were well. Your linebackers were yeah, just that, a, that, that were, a that were pre- pretty interesting because Brad they would Castle come back and, and Rocky Boyman have one of the great all-time stories. No, they, I'll let them tell no, it. Well, they would come back and tell me every bit of oh, it. Oh, that's you know, great! And they, it was it was well. They had okay. such an uh, an escapade one time that they didn't tell me for a year what happened. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, that's the mark of a good caravan. No, that's no, how it was not the know. mark of a good caravan. <laughs> Mike, I, I don't, I hate to, I hate to bring this up to you, but they came back and told me immediately the next day. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Does Coach Mike know the history of the bus? About about the, what about the bus? The, the, who's who used to be on that bus uh, on his campaign? That's Barack Obama's bus. The first bus yeah. we had was Bar- in 2008 was Barack Obama's. It's the same bus. one. It's the mm-hmm. same one's been used. Yeah, and it was kind of and the players. That was one of the ways we enticed the players. Like you know, <laughs> Barack Obama. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, that was. We were using everything. D- it works. You fill that bus with snacks and tell them a good story, and they're hooked. Yep. they're in. Fill All right. Bus with so let me go back to draft weekend for one thing here. Biggest surprise from draft weekend, Jim White, you go first. The TV numbers, with 47.5 million people watched the draft. The attendance in Nashville, more than 600,000 attended. Or the fact that New Orleans had the second highest TV ratings for draft weekend outside of Nashville after they basically had boycotted the NFL just months ago during the Super Bowl due to the fact that they felt like they got hosed in the NFC Championship game. Uh, they had great TV ratings during the draft. So your biggest surprise out of those three? You know, the, you know, the, the draft was initially supposed to draw 300,000. So the fact that it doubled uh, in attendance qualifies as a surprise. But I didn't know. But I'm not surprised anything Nashville does just because it throws a party. So I'm going with... The New Orleans aspect, just because I didn't realize that until now. Uh, yeah, b- I think basically nobody in New Orleans watched the Super Bowl. And so they've given up on the NFL, and then months later they've just quit on that. They're back. So maybe New Orleans. <laughs> and they didn't even yeah. draft. They didn't even have a first-round pick. That's interesting. I think maybe people in New Orleans were watching to see uh, – they heard Nashville has become a little bit more of a party town wow. in New Orleans, so they're maybe trying to get some tips uh, watching the <laughs> Jim White calling them out there. Oh, no. Amy Wells, biggest surprise. I'm going to go with the New Orleans thing as well just because I didn't think it all the way through. I knew about the TV rating, and I thought, hmm, that's odd. But when you play that movie back a little bit, that is really funny. I bet you they had just like an NFL itch that needed to be scratched. You know, you can only stay away for so long. It's like a bag of potato chips. I'm surprised there weren't 47 million people here. <laughs> because <laughs> there that, might have been. I, I think those numbers, that, that's what surprises me because that was the most fabulous thing I've ever I've done a few things now. I've been to some county fairs and some goat ropings in my life, and so I've done some things. That was a tremendous event. How did the draft compare to a good goat roping? The draft topped it because you can't wow. get 600,000 people in a goat arena. And then. That topped it. Got to make room for the goats. Yes. Okay. Moving right along. (laughs) Draft class getting rave reviews. As a matter of fact, I was listening to PFF while I was driving last week. Uh, The the PFF guys were doing their segment on Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88. And they rated the class excellent. Said they think the first four picks are likely starters. 
Um, it, it It's a highly rated class. You know what? And what impressed me, I was talking with John Robinson yesterday out on the field and just not congratulating him, but just saying, you know, that was really solid. And what was so, what, what, what I, you know, having been in a draft room and run a draft before and done those things, the patience that he showed when you're sitting at the middle of the draft and you start to see runs on players. And I think I heard him saying this to you, Mike, in one of your interviews is that you're kind of like a duck. I mean, above water, it's all calm. But he said when his said his foot was shaking under that table, is that, is that as he was waiting on that A.J. Brown pick, you know, that you have to have great patience and, and you also have to be able to understand the geography of your draft and the fact that he was able to sit and be that patient and come away with the quality of players at those positions because 19 is a, is a very vulnerable spot in the draft because there are people that can jump that spot because you still got top 15 players. You don't really know who's coming up after you. You look at who's behind you, especially you look at the people in your division and you're trying to, to, to think and figure ahead who are they trying to get that I'm going to have to be playing against, you know, twice a year for however many years. I thought it was a – I mean, I was really excited about it, and I, I really liked it because I spent a lot of time watching about 200 players in this draft, and, and the people that he got, I mean, it was – I was genuinely excited, you know, especially with that first group. Yeah, and I agree. I, mean, I look at this draft class, and I think, you know, John Robinson, the personnel department – uh, everyone that was involved did a great job. Uh, I will say, and I'm guilty of this myself because I did a my, I did a report card roundup, you know, the day after the draft because it's interesting to see how people grade drafts. Uh, but I, I've seen a lot of first rounders that people think are great picks that don't pan out, and I've seen a lot of sixth, seventh rounders that people think this guy's never going to amount to much, and they turn out to be, you know, a star of the class like a Cortland Finnegan. So. Uh, we obviously are going to have to wait uh, to see how some of these guys turn out. I think Jeffrey Simmons has enormous potential. Uh, I think A.G. Brown uh, has great potential. Nate Davis, you know, I think he has a chance to come in and play early. But uh, as we all know, I mean, it's going to take time before we really know what this class is about. And some of these people and some of these teams that are being dogged for having bad draft classes, they could turn out to be good a couple of years from now i don't think you can put a grade on the 2019 draft class until fall of 2020 that's just me well yeah but that's no fun well i know that i even think longer than that i mean mean, it's longer than i mean i mean i don't want to ruin the game all of the nfl people all of the nfl people hate it they hate the grades right they understand why you have to do it because it's what everybody's talking about it's just like they hate the mock drafts but that's what everybody. That's what everybody's excited about. That's what about. everybody's excited about. That's why yeah. forty-seven and a half million people watched it. True story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the the whole thing. I think in terms of hitting needs, in terms of hitting potential. I mean, if Simmons hits, the fact that you got him at nineteen makes him unbelievable value. If Brown hits, the fact that you got him at 51 is crazy good. If Davis becomes a starter in the third round, that's a great thing. And if Imani Hooker does what a lot of people think he can do over time and becomes a starting safety, 
you know, then that's an even that's that's a pick like Kevin Byard was in the third round in 2016. You know, so that's that's tremendous value. I think the wild card in the group. First of all, David Long in the sixth round, I love. But the wild card to me is DeAndre Walker. Mm-hmm. Because DeAndre Walker is the unknown. The Titans need somebody to really work out at outside linebacker to continue to provide depth. This is a guy at Georgia who he's been close, but you just don't feel like he's hit all of it yet. Well, I mean, I was DeAndre Walker. Yeah, we, we were, of course, we did the draft very closely together for you know for three days, and we're looking at it. And when that was coming up, the fact that he was still on the board. To me, when you watch him play, he is a guy that height-wise, you know, if you want to get into, into traits, height-wise, he's not long, but he plays long. He's got a wingspan of 80-plus, and this guy can make plays both laterally and horizontally. I like the player, and plus, he's an energy player. He's an energy player. But he's one of those guys that when you study tape and you're looking just at – at football, don't take in, don't worry about all the numbers to begin with. Some guys jump out at you, but some guys, as you continue to watch, you go, that's a football player. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he had the sports hernia, that he wasn't able to do anything at the combine, had a little missed bit. Missed the senior bowl. Had missed the senior mm-hmm. bowl because all of those things, unless you have glaring traits that people are willing to say, because, you know, you want to go back to Simmons, you know, regardless of the fact people knew. Mm-hmm. Even with the injury, that's a guy. Mm-hmm. That's a guy, and that's a guy that can that we need. And 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 that to me is that you want to predict some things. This guy is going to be special. He really is. But Walker, is a football player, and he's got a chance on this football team to help pretty soon if he comes in this building and starts to get it. Well, and he's got to get it, and he's yeah. got to get in that room. And this is part of it too. I mean, you got a chance to learn behind Cameron Wake in that room, how much does DeAndre Walker love football? If he if he loves it and he wants it and he's willing to get in there and learn, I mean, he's got a great opportunity. I agree. I mean, he's intriguing, I think, the fact. I mean, the, the fact that the team waited so long to pick an edge rusher, too, makes me think that they have great confidence that some of the guys are in the building. Obviously, adding, adding Cameron Wake this offseason changes things, but – you know, some other guys are going to have to step up and play well this fall for this team to be successful. That's assuming more moves are not coming at edge rusher. But I think Walker is intriguing. The guy, when I look at this, obviously Jeffrey Simmons, you know, 19th overall is the one everyone talks about most. I think A.J. Brown's the one I'm most intrigued by just because of his potential and because of that group. I mean, you can get to five pretty quickly now when you start doing the math at receiver, but how quickly he rises to the top of that group alongside Corey Davis I'm you know we'll start to get some of those answers as early as this weekend when the rookies report yeah and I don't think we're going to get any answers but you'll get an idea to see and the biggest thing for rookies when they come in is to is to incorporate themselves into the culture of the building and figure out what it takes to be successful out there we all know they have physical traits but as a coach when someone when, when those rookies come in you really want to start to figure out in those meeting rooms who can get it 
the quickest because that is something that's extremely vital and important. And to Mike's point about having veterans to learn from, I would always, you know, because I would always address the rookie class because at, you know, at the end of my career, I could actually stand up in front of them and say, I've been in this league longer and you guys have been alive. So here's, I'm going to tell you some things that will help you. And the first thing you need to do is find somebody on that, in that locker room that you can attach yourself to because veterans can teach rookies the ins and the outs of what it takes daily more than, better than anybody else if you're john robinson and you're working this roster right now do you build the roster with the idea in mind that you're not going to have jeffrey simmons at all this year and then if you get him it's just a bonus yes absolutely i mean that's why urban's here I mean that, 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 Urban. that, yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that that's what you do because, you know, we uh, you do that and 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 I love the pick and I love the pick because it's a football move. It's a football move because you don't find players like that very often. My most recent history with it, you know, and again, I I don't I keep don't like to refer to I did this, I did that. But sure. when, when we waited, when we took Todd Gurley with an ACL and we waited on him. I mean, you knew that it was a transcendent talent, but you had to have enough patience to do it, and it's clearly worked out pretty well, you know, for the Rams. Simmons will work out well for the Titans. I'm saying that right now today. Well, and going back to what you were saying about finding good veteran leadership to attach yourself to, golly, looking at some of these groups, you've got Cameron Wake, you've got Kenny Vaccaro at safety, Jarrell Casey, you've got Adam Humphreys in the receiver room now. The Roger Saffold and some of those guys on the offensive line. There are, yeah, there are so many great people for these guys to learn from, and this is such a good opportunity for them and also shows that this team is kind of planning for the right now but also planning for the future. These young guys can grow up behind some of these big veterans, and that should make you feel good for a couple of years. Yeah, I am going to be curious to see who kind of emerges as a leader in the receiving among the receiving course because Humphreys is the veteran of the group now, but it's not something he's done before. I mean, he's been behind veterans, and he's kind of watched them, and now he's in a position where obviously people will be watching him no matter what he says. Corey Davis headed to year three, should be more assertive. I know Rob Moore talked about him at the end of last season, just how he was showing traits and characteristics of being a better leader and uh, somebody's going to have to step up in that group you know uh, it's not a group that has a lot of experience but uh, certainly a lot of potential and uh, I think all of them kind of and Humphrey said himself they all kind of have that chip on the shoulder mentality that uh, ought to help them work well together yeah go ahead let me say something here about about Davis I just did a function last night where you know Anyways, a charity function, and and what I did was take fifty plays, fifty total plays out of the out of the Titans, New England game, mm. you know, just to break down, to break down a five zero total play fifty. Wow, to break down a deep dig, okay, you know, to on it. Corey Davis in that game wore Gilmore out. If you want to watch a really nice performance. In, in a real impact position, because if you'll remember, we're coming off that Dallas game. It's a short week of preparation. And, and to watch what he did, if you really want to go back and take a deep dive into that matchup, because clearly New England came in here saying, we can cancel him out, all right, and then we'll work around everything else. And Corey Davis not only stepped up, he was a huge difference in that ball game. I mean, so this guy is a player. I mean, he's a he's a player. And you talk about Rob Moore, talking about leadership. I coached Rob Moore at Arizona for a lot of years. 
Rob Moore never said two words on the field, but he was definitely the leader of that receiver room because of the respect of the way he went about his business. That's how you gain respect really quick in a room. Lots of things still happening with the roster. You mentioned Brent Urban was a pickup on day two of the draft. They signed him after he spent five years in Baltimore. Also picked up Riley Bulla, who is a linebacker who was in Tampa his first two years in the league. And, uh, boy, he has some Michigan State heritage, doesn't he? The Bulla name at Michigan State is about like the Manning name. You know, I mean, uh, his grandfather, his father, his brother. Z- brothers. Zers. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's a – yeah, and, and he's, a, he's a player that I think that, that, that I like what John Robinson doing. What he's trying to do now, he's trying to layer this roster – from the bottom up, mm-hmm. and he's just and he just he's just adding another layer to it. Now you know this is a guy that's got some NFL experience, and you never know. Circumstances make a lot of difference, you know. And if he comes in here, and can establish a spot on special teams and can be a core teamer to start with. That's why training camp is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting this year because you've got a lot of guys that have a chance and. People need to understand, and I know everybody in this room does, and our listeners need to understand, just because you draft new players, it doesn't mean the veterans that are sitting here are willing to give up their jobs. No. And so that's what makes a good football team is when you've got veterans that are willing to help rookies understand what it takes, but at the same time make them work really hard to even be able to gain entry into the lineup. I'm ready for training camp. It's not time yet. I know, but I'm so excited. Riley Bulla may have a chance – at inside linebacker, but certainly he is going to have a chance to be one of the great stories of training camp because Riley Bulla is a character. Yes, he is. If you saw him on Hard Knocks two years ago, you remember the Fetty Wap 679 thing? If you haven't seen him <laughs> do that, he can. the guy can sing. He plays three instruments. He's a huge Eric Church fan. I have a feeling he's going to have some sort of issue with Taylor Lewan about the whole Michigan Michigan State thing. I don't know. Someone why. having an issue with Taylor Lewan. I know, Lewan? but the well, Michigan sounds... Michigan State thing ends because he is like Mister Michigan State. There is no doubt about that. I, so you've you've got a feeling there's going to be some chatter that will go on there. But the fact that he loves Eric Church, he's going to end up singing somewhere. On some sort of video, <laughs> something's going to happen with this guy. I think people are going to love Riley Bulla. His nickname when he was with Tampa Bay was Joe Dirt because he had long hair and he looked like the David Spade character right. Joe Dirt. So He's cut it, though. I think yeah, he showed I, I, up I, at Ben Jones's, uh his charity event, uh, fundraiser event at the National Gun Club last week. And, uh which was impressive that he well, he'd cut it up. a while back. Yeah, yeah but right. I didn't even. Okay, yep. I saw the picture and I was like, "Who's that guy?" I I didn't make the connection because okay. he cut his hair. All it's right, gonna be, it's going to be a thing. But he wow. is a nonstop talker. I mean, yeah. that's one thing I remember about the hard knocks. He's just constantly he chatting. Never, and, and, and the guy can play. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a smart player. He understands. I mean, his I mean, his granddad was head coach of the Buffalo Bills. I mean, so he's you know he comes from. He's probably fine. And he's not afraid to stick his head in there. I mean, I remember when Tampa came here to practice against the Titans last year, the the drill that I think got the most attention, the one I remember most, was Derrick Henry going up against Bulla (laughs) in in drills. And and Henry got the best of them on some plays, but there were other plays where Bulla, after taking absorbing some pretty big hits, 
from Henry in, in kind of a pass blocking drill. Uh, he came right back and and got the best of Derrick Henry on a couple of those. Well, so, and if you remember, Dirk Cutter in the in the hard knocks credited him for being the tempo setter. Yeah. I mean, he is a on paper he seems like a Robinson Vrabel type guy. And again, that may be no further than just four weeks of training camp, and he may be done. But I mean, these are the types of guys you bring in who not only create storylines but create ripples because he wants a job. Well, that's exactly he right. He has been an active NFL player before. He has cashed a good-sized check as an NFL player. He's been a practice squad guy. Those guys want jobs. He is serious about football, and that's the type of dude they want in here. No matter if he wants to sing like Fetty Wapper or Eric Church or <laughs> you know, sing in church or to make any difference. He he wants to play. I'm all for that. Yeah, and that's that's why I talk about layering your layering your sure. squad from the bottom up, and then the the bottom not being a derogatory term. It's just that you start to layer your roster, and then that's what training camp is for. Earn a job because every day in this league is an interview, and so earn a job. That's when it gets good. Ugh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I'm getting excited. Okay, so I got a couple of questions. <laughs> this weekend, rookie camp, the 10th through the 12th, why does John Robinson not reveal the undrafted free agents like some teams do? Jim White, you have a good explanation for this. I would appreciate it if you would share with the OTP audience. Please. Yeah, and I've worked it both ways because I was with the Tennessean. I, you know, I used to dig up and try to get all those before they were announced by the team, and it used to be that the team would – make them public sometimes the day after the draft right and uh that kind of changed uh and i think it's a couple of different reasons you know one is players have the right to change their minds and that's happened before where players initially agree to terms with one team as an undrafted free agent then they end up getting a better offer or a better opportunity somewhere else so they flip on you and you don't want to be uh put out a list that has a guy who is not signed yet and then he ends up flipping on you so that's one reason another reason is uh, they want these guys to come to the building and pass a physical and uh, and sign a contract before they put that out there. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of lists, and you have already seen a lot of lists up to this point that have a list of all the undrafted free agents by the Titans. But it never fails that some of the guys that are on that list as an undrafted free agent will ac- actually be tryout players because uh, teams regularly bring in a good number of tryout players during the course of the rookie camp. Probably be more tryout players yeah. than guys that they signed because you so can because you can do that. And, no, and, absolutely you can. And what and, last and what year happened last year? I think maybe five, five. guys that uh, that initially were tryouts ended up replacing the undrafted players. And it's not like the team's going to wait until all that competition is over with and after the weekend they're going to release the list it'll be out before that starts but there's it's a very fluid situation all the way up until the time they sign and even through the first weekend that's a perfect explanation for it and that's why you do it as a as a coaching staff too because you you understand there are there are agencies that all they do is work on free agents i'm talking about talent agencies 
agents that that's all that their agency does and work on and they they place these people for a lot of reasons first of all you know they they try to get as much money as they can everybody's got a certain pool to sign these guys right because that's where most of the agents three percent comes from that signing bonus because they don't know if these guys are going to make it but when you've got when you start releasing names before you have them signed you're also and you're trying to bring tryouts in people are looking and seeing how you're stacking the bottom of your roster to see what kind of chance I have. So if you don't release it, which is, is, is smart, you collect all the people you can bring them in here, let them compete. But if you start releasing, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a uh, tight end and all of a sudden I see there's eight tight ends on the roster and they've signed three free agents and, and you've got somebody you want to bring in and all of a sudden he says, well, I'm not coming because you have too many, then you're basically working against yourself. That's good. Hmm. Good explanation. Final thing commencement speaker at Bowling Green State University. Have you seen this yet? I saw it this morning. May the 18th. Dean Pease, Titans defensive coordinator, will be the commencement speaker at his alma mater. I would like to hear that. No, mm-hmm. that it, it, I, will, I will go on record right now as saying it will be inspirational, it will be from the heart, and it will be outstanding. I stood out here in the lobby last week, or a couple, uh, maybe 10 days ago, with Dean Pease, and he was waiting on one of his former players to come in and visit. And he started telling me the story about, you know, how this player really came from not anything and then he wanted to quit the team and Dean said, no, you're not quitting. Because just said no. Yeah, you're just not quitting. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not going to quit and not necessarily because, you know, I need your performance on the field. You're not quitting because this is gives you a chance in life. And now this guy is highly successful. So that will be, that will be worth listening to. I was going back through, too, because I was trying to think, who in sports would I like to hear a commencement speech from? And as I was going through just Googling the 20 best com- – there is nobody in sports listed. It's all military people, mm-hmm. different political leaders. A lot of comedians apparently have given great commencement speeches. Ellen DeGeneres, Stephen Colbert – but nobody in sports. So I was thinking about who I would like to hear a commencement speech from in the world of sports. Yeah, oh. Denzel Washington. He's, he's, on, he's on a list. Yeah. He's yeah. a top 20 guy, no doubt. Who in sports? Greg Popovich. Oh, yeah. That'd I would be a like good to one. hear Greg Popovich because if he really talked, not like the answers he gives on the mm-hmm. one word, you know, in game interviews that he does. I think that would be interesting. I bet Peyton Manning would give a good speech. Oh, he gives a great speech. Yeah, I bet it would be entertaining and motivational. He uh, He's going to give a great speech at the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame June the 15th, I bet. There you go. He'll be worth the price of admission. Absolutely. So will Dean Pease. Dean Pease will mm-hmm. be, too. Uh, You're 100% right with yeah. that. Who would you pay to hear? I mentioned Denzel. I mean, I've seen his, uh, I've seen his in the past, and it gives you goosebumps. Uh, some of the ones he's done. So, I, I Denzel's one of my all-time favorites. Do you remember your college commencement speaker? I don't. I do. <laughs> Who was yours? It was the governor at the time. The governor of Missouri. Yeah, his son was in my same department. Okay. So my same major, so he gave the commencement speech. His son was very embarrassed. Is that right? Yeah, it was boring. Sorry. Do Governor. you remember your commencement speech, Coach Mack? Absolutely, I do. Did you give the speech? <laughs> like, 
Davy Crockett? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was Davy Crockett. Buffalo Bill. Talking about how he came to the Alamo from Tennessee. There's a real tie in there. Sorry, Coach. It's too easy. It's way too easy. Who was yours, Mike? Do you remember? Jim Sasser, who was uh, our senator at the time. And it was, a, you know, having the senator there do your commencement speech was, you know, you, you felt honored that he that he took the time. So that was nice. I don't remember. I sat next to Condridge Holloway when I graduated, though, so I thought that was the oh, greatest cool. thing. Yeah, that was the greatest thing. He probably thought it was the greatest thing. No, he did. Yeah. He, he did. I, did. I think he, after 20-something years, he was glad to graduate. <laughs> he was thrilled to get his degree, but I don't think he was thrilled. To, <laughs> I also sat next to Charles McRae, who played in the league. In the league, yes, he did. Played for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The that alphabet was, really suited you well, eh? What's that? Did you guys? I guess you guys wouldn't have lined up alphabetically. You're a Keith. I was going with Mike. My fault. I just was sitting Sat there. Sat down. That's all I knew is I was sitting there. I was glad to be there, and I was glad to be out. <laughs> glad to get your degree I was glad and go to, home. Yeah, I was, I was glad to be out. Okay. All right, so what are we plugging at the end of the OTP? How about uh, titansonline.com, Jim White writing things, and, and also uh, tweeting yeah, it'll continue to f- continue to flow because there's a there's still it never really stops in this it uh, business as you guys know. So uh, we'll continue. That's one of the reasons why I've tried to make a lot of these caravan stops because I you know I talked to Jarrell Casey last night. I've talked to Rashawn Evans and Marcus Mariota's on the caravan tonight, and uh, and a lot of stories that I've been able to accumulate over the last couple of weeks. I'll be writing uh, in the coming days and weeks, and obviously we've got the. Uh, you know, Kevin Byard has a football camp in town on on Friday night. We've got the 5K on Saturday. We've got the rookie camp here over the weekend. And uh, before we know it, we'll be into OTAs and mini camp, and then we'll be here talking about training camp. So it's going to fly by. Jay White Sports. At Jay White Sports is where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Subscribe to the podcast. Do the right thing. If you haven't subscribed, do it. Just hit hit the button. A lot of people subscribed in April. That's a lot good of news. people subscribed in April, and if you're somewhat new to the OTP clan, hello, we're happy you're here. <laughs> uh, please don't dump us. Stick around for Stick a while. Stick around next week on the show. Kevin Byard, which is going to be so fun. Yeah. Kevin Byard will be our guest on mm-hmm. the OTP. I get so many great uh, comments on the OTP just when I'm out and about because I'm out and about a lot, <laughs> you know, in this city, and they, they, they this is they really do. This is a you know, and just one thing on the on the on the caravan, and and back to the way that that this organization reaches out to their fans. You know, first of all, all the fan events before the draft, during the draft, that Mike Keith attended every one of them. He was a first round draft pick with that, but that, it sure. was outstanding. The, the 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 reaching out to the fans and the things that they did, and then this caravan. Look, this is pretty unique. I mean, it, it's a unique thing. So I think, you know, people come out, fans take advantage of it. and It's free. Well, well plus, and you get to sit with, the, sit with the players in a relaxed atmosphere, and this is going to be an exciting team to, to be hooked up with. And who knows, Rashawn Evans might, like, come over to your house. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what Rashawn's doing. He's getting very comfortable. So <laughs> I don't know. That's a he good might thing. take your dog for a walk. He, he could or, come like, over. Babysit your kids. <laughs> yeah. or We don't know what he's going to do. He is very just happy with – all of Titans fans. <laughs> Love the Mac and 3 edition of the OTP for Jim White, for Dave McGinnis, for Amy Wells. Mike Keith says thanks for joining us on the OTP.